0: For the week of June 30th, 2019, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into all things Star Wars TV, as well as the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, we're looking at Season 1, Episode 9 of The Clone Wars and Season 1, Episode 7 of Rebels. And to help me tackle this is John. John, how are you doing? Very good. Like I mentioned
1: on our last cast, I'm ready to get back into a bit more serious territory with some real stakes and some, um, you know, real, like, plot, story building. And uh, that's what we're going to see this week. So this is going to be a fun one.
0: Well, let's get right into this serious episode of The Clone Wars.
1: Okay, let's do it.
0: Season 1, Episode 9 of The Clone Wars, Cloak of Darkness. And in this episode, Ahsoka and Master Luminara are in charge of escorting Newt Gunray to trial. However, the Separatists have their own plan that involves Asajj Ventress freeing Gunray and eliminating the Jedi. Alright, so John, Mm -hmm. this episode is great. Yes it is. But right (laughs) from the get-go, I'm asking... What is a senator doing on a capture mission to capture Gunray? Like, why was Padme even there? Well,
1: she wasn't there to capture Gunray.
0: That's what I was wondering, because I can't remember, because I know that the the Clone Wars is kind of out of chronological order, but just from, like, the the opening scene, um, it just shows her, you know, pointing gun at Gunray, and then all of a sudden, it's almost like a trap has been sprung to arrest him, Um, and so I, I don't remember why she was there and why she was... Reason that because she was a central part in his capture,
1: okay. So, well, we need to step back to last week's episode because you might not be connecting the dots. Because last week's episode, the Jar Jar uh misadventures of Jedi, that's Bombast, right,
0: that's yes, right, yeah, she
1: was on Rhodia. Because she was trying to uh, curry favor with her old friend, the leader of that planet, but he had already struck a deal with Newt
0: Gunray. Yep. Yep. I remember now. Yeah. I got it. It came back to me last second. (laughs) Yeah, that
1: exactly. So that episode is him being captured. So this Mm -hmm. is the continuation of that. Okay. He's captured. Uh, You know, Padme exits the story at this point, but we get to find out what happens as they try to bring him to trial in the Republic.
0: Yeah, and so, the next thing with this is, like, there's, you know, politics, all this stuff that's going on between the Separatists and um, and the Republic, and so we have, once again, it's not really super high stakes in the sense of what happens to him, because we know what happens to him. <laughs> yep. um, he has a few he, years he left. <laughs> he gets what's coming to him, but mm-hmm. it's it's not from from this group here. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, so we have Dooku sending... Ventress to carry out this mission Mm -hmm. and even Sidious was a little concerned about this
1: ish Sidious often feigns concern but Sidious usually has a couple backup plans and he's usually mulling over okay so if if that's the direction he wants to go how can I you know make this play into the overall direction. I want things to go. So sure. But Sidious wouldn't have let it happen at all if he didn't think there was an angle to be worked. So he saw a path to success and what Dooku is presenting. And I think maybe more than anything, he just wants to keep Dooku in his place and let it remind him that he doesn't have his total confidence and he needs to continue to, you know, prove himself. It's the Sith way, right? Like you always keep your apprentice under your thumb a little bit. So I think that's just Sidious being Sidious.
0: And it's also, you know, it puts a higher stake on, interest because now Dooku feels like, okay, my master isn't liking <laughs> right. this and if you fail i'm failing him so you better not fail like there's like yeah, some crap always
1: rolls downhill so yeah we've got him now uh impressing upon her the need for success because yeah <laughs> it's gonna get bad real quick if we uh don't make Sidious
0: happy yeah and i really like the character of Asajj Ventress because mm-hmm. she's kind of this this character that we were introduced through the legends lore um introduced in uh in the original animated uh clone war series right And, and in this one, we see, we spend some more time with her and we see her temperament, um, especially playing out in this one and just her, her slyness and just being an evil, an evil person.
1: Yes. Yeah. They present her a little bit more competently than they did when she had a run in with Yoda uh, very Mm -hmm. early on. I think actually the premiere, Um, she's all arrogance and bluster and she can't really back it up when it comes right down to it. And she has to just kind of sheepishly escape Uh, Whereas here she's going toe to toe with two Jedi and she seems to be in control of the situation. She's got backup plans and she's got minds and she's just strategically maneuvering her way through this situation. She's one step ahead of everyone else. So yeah, you got to applaud how competent they present her as an assassin. And so you start to get a feeling of, okay, this is really what this character is all about. She was uh, maybe not being used to full effect when she's doing this diplomatic, you know, diversion for Dooku in the premiere, but no, she's got some serious. Value as far as uh the separatists are concerned, and she's a genuine threat you You do feel at a few points here that she could get the upper hand
0: yeah and and of course, when you're watching this in uh in chronological order, you don't know what happens to ahsoka you don't know what happens to uh, uh i don't even think that uh master luminara we i don't think we see her in episode three, or maybe we do for a brief second. she gets gassed by some clone troopers that's right, so but it's like one of those things to where. In this fight between Asajj Ventress, if you're looking deep, like, okay, this is a big character. They're not going to kill her off in episode eight of season one, but you don't know for sure if you're watching this from, from scratch. Sure. So, so you get that. And then of course, all the other characters, though, they're a free game. Yeah. Like oh, these.
1: You, sorry. Let's get into that. But before we mm-hmm. do, I just wanted to, there was something that popped into my head when I was watching this episode. I just want to get it out there before we move on. Yeah. Um, it was really kind of bittersweet watching this episode because a couple of weeks ago, we watched the episode where, um, the Inquisitor uses the, the, whatever the essence, the shadow yep. of this particular Jedi to lure, uh, Kanan and Ezra into a trap. And yeah. you get that scene where you see her, her, her disembodied essence kind of almost, uh, the only word that comes to mind is kind of like lobotomized, like it's her, but it isn't her. And then you, the, the big reveal of, you know, they've got her physical remains and no, she's just, it's not her. And there's, there's no winning here. You're not actually going to find, you know, a Jedi, uh, companion to, to help you in your struggle. Um, so that was a very poignant and bittersweet moment in that episode. And now seeing her in her prime, Uh, you know, really asserting herself as a, a, a genuine master. Um, yeah, you can't help, but feel a little bad about knowing how it ends for her. So anyways, that, that kind of hit me when I was watching it. I just, I wanted to make sure that made it into the cast. So before we move on, I had to, had to interject.
0: Now I turn it back to you. (laughs) Go nuts. I've said my piece. Well, well, going off of that, I, I kind of want to add on to that because that's true. Because this is the Luminara that Kanan meets. This is what he remembers about yes. her and her, uh, just her ability, her patience, her, yeah. her talents, and uh, her oneness with the Force, if you will, if that's mm-hmm. the right way to say that. Sure. But just, um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things to where, yeah, it's it's crazy stuff, and it does it does kind of hit you. It it hits you real good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all these other characters. So we kind of know, like, okay, this character may be untouchable, and this one is, you know, kind of <laughs> right. untouchable. Uh, but people like Argaius He's he's a he's a new character. He comes in with this this crazy looking blue uh, <laughs> army m- military suit. Uh, he's
1: a senatorial guard, right? So that's their right. their commando outfit. Yeah,
0: yeah, and he he go he betrays the republic. Mm-hmm. And he tries to set Gunray free and then is unsuccessful and then successful again. And then Ventress gets out. And I like that he, he's kind of being, he, he thinks he's being sly, right? Mm -hmm. He thinks he's like, Oh, I'll be sure to note your contributions to Dooku when we get there. Yeah. And she goes, Oh, don't worry about it. I'll do it myself. And then stabs him in the heart.
1: Yeah. Nobody puts baby in the corner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, this is true to the, the separatist, uh, Uh, ethics right like Mm -hmm. for whatever reason anyone that does business with the separatists gets double crossed and gets a lightsaber at some point or another it makes you wonder why all these underworld Cretans continue to do business with them if they are so disloyal uh but yes he got his comeuppance and well he's a villain he made his choices and so i guess you're just supposed to cheer that on (laughs) well
0: and it's funny because the viceroy himself is whenever you're in that scene he goes i've always had a good feeling about you captain right and then as soon as he sees him get killed. I've always had a good feeling about you, assassin. And it's just like, that's so true to his character because we see that played out time and time again in these prequels where it's like, anytime he's under pressure, he's just like, I really didn't want to do this. Like they were making me.
1: Yeah. He's, he's spineless. He's a jellyfish. He's, he's, yeah, he's a slimy banker. That's his, his, uh, archetype. And he, he lives up to the role. You know, he says to one of the clone commandos at one point, you know, uh, let me out of here. I'll buy you a planet. Yeah, that's a that's a, a pretty fun line. Um, and very true to his character, you know, like there's no problem that money can't paper over. Um yeah, so we get a little bit from Newt that we didn't maybe see as much in the prequel movies. Uh but yes, all very true to
0: his character, no doubt. Well, speaking of purchasing planets, should we get into this episode of Rebels? <laughs> that's easily the weakest segue you've had
1: in a while, but I'll <laughs> allow it.
0: Let's let's do it. Let's talk some Rebels. Uh Well, in this episode of Star Wars Rebels, episode seven of season one empire day mm-hmm. the crew of the ghosts go on a mission to destroy a proto well they go to disrupt empire day festivities and in doing so they destroy a prototype tie fighter and learn of a refugee who yes. has an important who has some important information and and they must get him off the planet before he is found by the empire.
1: Mm -hmm. This is one of the first like true cliffhanger episodes where we actually get like a cut to black to be continued. Uh, This is where we're setting up a a high stakes story. And, you know, uh, we, we, we establish the characters. We find our, our MacGuffin Rodian um, by the end of it, but only time will tell whether they can put him to good use or if the real valuable information, even above what he knows about, Uh, the empire's designs, uh, the insights that he has on Ezra's family, we don't know where that's going yet either. So they introduce a few really big ideas that should have avid fans champing at the bit to find out where this story is going to go. So definitely succeeded in the cliffhanger department.
0: Yeah, and I like that they introduced this concept of Empire Day, mm-hmm. which, is, which celebrates the day that Palpatine yes. declared himself the Emperor of the Galactic Senate.
1: They even had a little screenshot, a little animated screenshot of his day where he's declaring it from mm-hmm. the Senate floor, uh, which is kind of a fun little tie in there.
0: Yeah, and it's just kind of fun because you don't see this stuff in the film. You don't see necessarily how the Empire has their thumb pressed down mm-hmm. on these other yes. planets and, and how they're manipulating everyone. Because we get the sense in the films that, okay, a group of people spread across the galaxy support this Empire. right? And there's a group that doesn't. And they're the rebels. But uh, but we don't see kind of what they're doing. And one of the, the propaganda pieces that the Empire uses is Empire Day. Mm-hmm. Which is just so reminiscent of just actual historical things that happened on our earth because this stuff happens all the time. Yeah. Forced patriotism, right? Like, we've got our our jackboots
1: standing behind the crowd to make sure that everybody's cheering when they're supposed to be cheering. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, nationalism, patriotism, and how that ties into totalitarian regimes, that's well-established history, no doubt. You can look at the 20th century, Mm -hmm. just open up an encyclopedia, put your finger down, you will find... (laughs) (laughs) An example of how this uh, plays into a regime strength. And yes, the empire is going by that playbook.
0: Yeah. And we, and we learn more about Ezra here because of course we're on his home planet. We're in his home city. Uh, So not only just on Lothal, but we're, we're in the location that he grew up, that Mm -hmm. he was born and was raised. Um, We find out that his parents were taken by the empire and that his birthday is Empire Day, mm-hmm. which just kind of adds like, that's why he, he hates this day so much. That's and not why he's not just
1: Empire Day, the inception of the Empire, the very first right. Empire Day. He was born the day Palpatine declared himself Emperor.
0: Yeah, that's just bad luck, man.
1: <laughs> yes. And it of course explains the reason why there wouldn't have been an opportunity for maybe the Jedi to have sensed him and maybe brought him into, you know, some sort of youngling training. Uh, obviously that predated him because the purge happened mere days after he was born
0: yeah 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 and um and i like the sense that we get this this information about ezra that his parents were taken by the empire because they uh, i mean it's kind of implying that they were that they're rebels that Mm they're part of the rebellion but at the least we know that they were somewhat freedom fighters that they're somewhat pushing against the yeah regime
1: they were early resistors and they were using that location as sort of an underground, like uh pirate radio station to try and uh, get the message out, you know, about freedom and Liberty and the tyranny of the empire before it, it really kind of dropped the curtain on the galaxy. Uh, we find out they weren't successful. And we also find out that Ezra is able to be strongly influenced by them, either just through the impact they had on him as a child, or maybe as he's becoming more in tune with his force powers and his connection to the force um maybe he's able to be motivated a bit by you know something (laughs) we get a sense of that as he's as he's hearing you know prompts and encouragement from his parents so there's a lot being set up here that is very intriguing and i I think a lot of fun for first-time viewers at least to to Mm -hmm. be able to see how um his story is starting to blossom and open up and there's a bit more context there now
0: Well, and we see just a lot of connections to the to the other films in regards to what the force is doing to to these characters that necessarily weren't found out by the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, we have the parallel between Ezra and Rey that a lightsaber is calling out to them. Sure. Yeah. Um, in, in a in a shelf or in a, in a box, mm-hmm. um, and then in this one we get a parallel with kind of with him and Anakin in the sense that he's getting some sort of connection with his parents and being drawn to a place that is that's revealing something. Here. Yes. Yeah um and so it's just cool to see that like yeah the force is still there it it, it contributes to this idea of hope that mm-hmm. the that the force is is kind of this all knowing force that <laughs> that is calling people together is holding everything together and and has a will apparently well, all is um, as
1: the force wills absolutely
0: and so it's just cool to see that and it's a lot of things that, that make people that have watched and kept up with, with this great this great galaxy of Star Wars it keeps them like oh yeah I remember that and then it also has those first timers that, that may be going through this chronologically be thinking like oh yeah I remember that but in the opposite order that you remember it right, right. and yes. it's just kind of fun that you have the, this kind of two different types of fans that, that remember things differently.
1: Yeah when they get to the movies the movies will be calling back to what they've seen on the TV shows, it's an experience that us old timers will never get. But I'm sure it's very satisfying for you know some of the kids that get to invest heavily in the Star Wars universe before they get to the epic saga films. Uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's all good stuff.
0: And so now we have this guy Sibo, and he is the one that the Empire is looking for. He has some sort of information. It's revealed a little bit what's going on uh, later, but uh, he was friends with Ezra's parents yes and isn't it a little bit tragic that this sebo who's not all there in his head finds himself back in his friend's home in the basement that they're broadcasting from just weeping
1: yeah i got the sense that it's kind of like sure he's he's got like the lobot head gear on right so this the sense is that he's kind of been you know mentally crippled um mm-hmm by whatever augmentation the empire has done to him, but there's still a little bit of what makes him him in there. And in these little fleeting moments of inner strength, he's able to muster up the, you know, the, the self will to try and get away from the empire and just get somewhere familiar, get somewhere Mm -hmm. where there's some hope that maybe he'll encounter a, a, an unlikely ally. Uh, so it is interesting that, uh, yes, he ends up in a location that has, uh, some importance to him back when he was fully him, but also something that the force can kind of use as a nexus point, you know to bring everyone together at the right time because again, all is as the force wills it's not a coincidence it's the force no.
0: <laughs> yes so so the force has has divinely brought these these two parties together and yes. and they are on their way out. We think that they are succeeding in their mission. We don't know yet, but they're mm. on their way out. They're being pursued by the empire. And then Sebo comes back to his senses and says that he knows what happens to Ezra's parents.
1: Yes. He has another one of these little moments where his, his true personality is able to resurface. Uh, yeah. And he drops a bomb on Ezra and, uh, hopefully something fun becomes of it.
0: Yeah, and you just have hope for this little guy, Ezra, that it's going to be positive news, but you don't know. We just, yep. we don't know yet. We don't know
1: because even though the Empire doesn't let them go easily, there's a pretty epic chase uh, to be had down whatever the the super superhighway <laughs> uh, that we saw in the premiere, actually. So, yeah, they're revisiting a lot of the, the, the places on Lothal that we've already established. Uh, but, yes, when it comes right down to it, uh, they get back on the ghost and big cut to black before we get any answers to all the questions that the show set up.
0: And of course the grand inquisitor is right there in the middle of this too. Mm-hmm. He's, he's celebrating empire day on Lothal and just, it's almost like the force is bringing things together in that area too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're setting things up for a big, you know, some big fireworks, no pun intended since we did have a few of those in this episode too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, things are going to get real. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of fireworks, John, where can the people find your (laughs) voice?
1: Uh, If anyone is interested in checking out my podcast, SNL After Party, they can search on all the major podcasting, listening apps and platforms and whatnot, or they can go to snlpodcast.com. We cover all the new SNL. We cover some vintage stuff over the summer when we don't have new SNL. And uh, there's a lot there to take in. If anyone likes how I approach sort of TV recap and review, sort of like what we're doing here, but would like to see that applied to a comedy institution like SNL. Well, that's, that's the place to go.
0: Yep. And we hope that our listeners join us on this epic rewatch next week as we continue. What is going on with Zebo and Ezra? <laughs> yes. Can't wait to find out.